Hi, everyone. Before we get started today and share with you this episode, we wanted to let you know that it is one, one episode in a series on why different people need counseling. So we'll be talking about why counselors need counseling. We'll talk about pastors, ministry leaders. We'll talk about men and women and children. And we'll have guests on each episode that will help us to think through those specific populations, why they might really benefit from the counseling process. So we hope you listen to all of the episodes in the series, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. This is Counsel for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors, Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome back to Counsel for Life. I'm Beth. And I'm Eliza. Thank you for being with us today, listeners. And we are in the middle of a series on the benefits of counseling for various populations. And today we are very excited to have a wonderful friend with us, Julie Lowe. Uh, Julie will be talking with us today about what the benefits are for children to go to counseling. So we're very excited about having her. And Julie is a counselor and a faculty member at CCEF. That's the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. She holds a Master of Arts in Counseling from Biblical Theological Seminary, and she's also a licensed professional counselor. She has over 22 years of counseling experience. So she has extensive experience with marriage, women's issues, sexual abuse, body image parenting, and children's issues. And that's specifically what we're going to be talking with her today about. And she is also a registered play therapist. So she's developed a play therapy office and resources to better serve families and youth. So huge ministry that Julie has. She's also an author and she's she's written several books. So when you get finished listening to this episode today, make sure and go to our show notes and click on her information so that you can get more resources because her wisdom is vast and we're very excited to have her. Julie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Would you share just a little bit more about yourself, maybe personally? Sure. Uh, I am uh, a parent of Mm -hmm. five children. Uh, We're foster parents. So at any given time, we actually forget how many kids we have in our home. And we tell funny stories of my husband and I giving completely different answers to the same question at the same time. And um, so we're, we're foster adoptive parents. We have five kids and a busy life and a menagerie of pets. And we also, my husband's a counselor and uh, we'll sometimes counsel together. We've got animals and uh, therapy dogs we use in counseling. So yeah, we've got okay. quite a full life. I love that. I would love to hear the name of one of your pets, specifically a therapy dog. I'm so intrigued by this concept. How does that work? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, there's a world out there of therapy animals. And especially in our area, there's a lot of equine assisted therapy, a lot of Mm -hmm. work with horses, with veterans and kids with autism and things like that. And so therapy animals, speaking about working with children is so beneficial because it immediately lowers their resistance. Mm -hmm. They're much more likely to answer questions with a dog that they're petting. I mean, tons of research out there, but I also call it, it's just creation. You're putting Mm -hmm. creation in front of them and there's something natural and engaging about it that is really helpful in counseling that's so wonderful and i I mean i know you have to train these animals to to be able to do what they're supposed to 
do. I'm, we make jokes. We've talked about my cat on the podcast before. I have a very fat cat, and he's decided he <laughs> wants to come into therapy sometimes, but he's not helpful in any way. Like, he's so snobby. One, one minute he wants you to pet him, and the next minute he's ignoring you. So um, cats probably are not so great as therapy animals. <laughs> yeah, it depends. They have their own agenda. Usually. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, thank you, Julie, and we're so excited to have you. Specifically, we'd love for you to start us out today by just what are some, some benefits benefits of counseling for children? What are some things that are um, pros of being able to bring your children to counseling and have them work with a professional counselor? What are some benefits there? I'd love for you to just share. Sure. It's, it's hard to answer that question without answering the benefits actually for parents. And probably yeah. the more I counsel children and families, the more convinced I am that parents need to be part of the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're sometimes part of the problem. They're always part of the solution. And so I often say parents benefit from children being in counseling because sometimes they just need outside eyes to see what's going on, to give them an objective um, input into when things are perfectly normal behaviors in kids and when there are behaviors that are concerning and having somebody walk alongside parents saying, here's, here's things you can do that would really help your child grow and work through things. So it's equally beneficial to children and certainly to parents as well. That's wonderful. And that's, it sounds like it's, it's such a comfort. It would be a comfort to a parent to have that extra set of eyes and ears and somebody that's even just, it's almost like coaching. It sounds like kind of coaching parents towards this is what we're doing in here. And let me give you some things that you can take with you. That's such a gift. Yeah. My, my philosophy of counseling children is to say, as much as I work with a child or teen, I want to work with you as a parent because I really believe you're their wise counselor and you're going to be there long term. And my job is to work myself out of a job. So any good counselor mm-hmm. that's working with your children really should be equipping you for the long term care of your child. I love that. And I'm glad you said it because I think it gives parents even something to look for and maybe ask about when they're getting their kiddo into some counseling. How involved are you going to be with me as a parent? How much, how much are you going to help me as a parent? Uh, Because there are some uh, counselors of children who don't really involve the parents at all. So what you're saying is that that's a necessity for what you're doing and, and a recommendation you would make to parents. I believe so. I think, and as a parent myself, it would just be hugely disturbing that I'm sending my kids to somebody who is, what, fixing them, talking to them, influencing (laughs) them, but I have no idea what they're telling them, Mm -hmm. nor do I have any idea how I can help them. So any good work you or I could be doing as a counselor gets undermined if a parent doesn't know about it too and isn't there to carry it on with them. And we know, scripturally, we know parents are really their children's primary counselors, educators, disciplers, and that is that's slowly going away in our culture. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, I think just hearing what you just said, parents are probably listening going, okay, yeah, I need this. I need this for myself. But what are some of the signs that they might actually be looking for? So just even helping parents right yeah. now as they're listening to this, what are some of the things that that they maybe need to be aware of that could be like, maybe we need to talk to somebody else? Anything yeah. come to mind? Yeah, there's there's several things. And actually, that's the question I get from parents all the time. When okay. when should I be bringing my child into counseling? Yeah. Or they have concerns and they're not sure what to do about them. So the first thing is when a parent feels, I don't know how to help my child anymore. I feel mm-hmm. ill-equipped. The second would be when you see a child or a teen's daily living being impacted by a struggle, whether it's mm-hmm. anxiety, 
uh, an eating disorder, things like that, where they no longer are functioning normally on a regular basis, certainly you need to get help. Um, But often it's when parents feel like, wow, what we're doing isn't working, or we don't know what to do, or we need help because we're not sure how to think well about this. Mm -hmm. Those would all be really good signs that it's time to, to bring in some wise counsel to help you. That's good. And I know we did a podcast a little, not too far back ago. Uh, I think it was, what was it? Episode 31. Is that mm-hmm. right? Beth? Yep. Yeah. So we did a podcast on a book that I wrote called raising emotionally healthy kids. And mm-hmm. in there you can go, you guys can go back and listen to that because in there I talk about emotional signs, behavioral signs, even physical signs. I know one of the things that I have learned, I don't work with children as much as you do, Julie, but one of the things I've learned is that um, oftentimes it's like this tummy ache that there's no, that we've been to the doctor, we've checked out, we've changed eating habits and whatnot. And there's this chronic GI issues or headaches or fatigue or something that, that, you know, obviously we don't want people to hear if my child has a tummy ache, they need counseling, right. <laughs> but there are that there are physical signs as well. So if that's something you guys want to learn more about, go back and check that episode uh, 31 on raising emotionally healthy kids. But it is helpful to see, you know, just hear some of these things that are there. Um, And so one of the things that I, you know, okay, so maybe a parent is, is feeling like, okay, yeah, we're seeing a decline in, in certain things in their life. Maybe they're losing interest in things that they once really enjoyed, or we're seeing signs of like an eating disorder or things like that. Um, what would you say are some of the the barriers or the, the, the reasons why maybe, uh, I don't know if it's parents or kids might uh, not be able to get into counseling? Like what are some of the things that kind of keep pe- people from bringing their kids into counseling? Well, at least Years ago, it used to be a stigma, right? There was a stigma to counseling. And man, if you're sending me counseling, that means I'm a terrible person. I'm really messed up. What does that mean? Or my child's going to get labeled. I don't want them to get labeled. Sometimes you have parents who want the label because the label means I get resources and help and support. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it could be a wide variety of things depending on your background, your presuppositions about counseling and what it does. Um mm-hmm the fear of their friends, kids or teens might have fear of their friends um, finding out. Or, you know, I find nowadays it's the cool thing for everybody to have their own therapist. And so teens aren't really, teens aren't struggling against that, but there there could be a bit of entitlement or a fear of, well, what are you going to tell my parents? And Mm -hmm. will I be found out? Will you make me stop behaviors that they're not personally invested in stopping? Yeah. So it could be a wide variety of things like that. You know, I wonder if you'd be willing just to talk about, um, I think one of the fears that I hear sometimes is, and I honestly, yeah, so I'll just say what it is. I've heard parents say, well, I don't want to take my child to a counselor because then they'll get a diagnosis and then it will go with them and maybe hinder them in the future. Can you speak to that maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very popular thought process. And there's a couple of things I'd say to it. I see the struggle on both sides, parents that don't want a diagnosis and then parents mm-hmm. who want a diagnosis, right? True. Mm-hmm. Um, and either can be good, actually. What I'll say is I don't want a label or diagnosis for my child just for the sake of having one. But if having one helps people, especially in the educational system, appropriately understand the needs of my child gives them the accommodations they need and helps them to get the help and thrive in the way they need to, then don't be afraid of the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's accurate. And that's the primary concern. Is it A, going to be accurate? Is it really describing what's going on? 
And B, will it give them the support that they really need? Um, And if so, then I want to encourage parents to not be afraid of that. Yeah. The flip side of that, though, is I also tell parents, don't be too quick to label your kids just so you get some kind of immediate help if it's not really helping you understand your child well. And if it doesn't really give you the skills to know how to help parent, uh, mm-hmm. parent them and help them grow. And if kids get tested, if kids go through the diagnosis process, you as a parent have the right to, to deflect it and to say, yeah. no, I don't agree with that. You do not have to accept it. Right. So a label won't go with your child unless you choose to embrace it as, as valid for your child. That mm-hmm. is so helpful to hear. I think parents are going to be very encouraged by that. And I think, yeah, I mean recognizing that there, there can be benefit to it, but there's also, you still have a voice into this. And one other fear that I think parents can have that maybe hinder people from, you know, putting their kids in counseling is they don't really know what to expect. And so I've, I've had parents say like, am I just going to be shut off from my kid's care or what is that going to look like? Or what are they going to tell my kids things? You know, obviously we are biblical counselors. And so we're always going to encourage like whenever you can to find a counselor who is aligned with your faith, um, a biblical counselor, a counselor who's maybe doesn't even have to be a formal counselor. It could be a, a, somebody in youth ministry or a mentor mm-hmm. or a good a person who will disciple your child or just walk with them. But, but if you are at a place where it's like, I think my child needs more of a, a professional formal counseling situation, but I'm afraid of what might happen in the counseling room. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit to parents? Yeah, they have a right to be concerned. Um, <laughs> and they should find counselors that are willing to work with them. That'd be mm-hmm. one. Like, how much are you willing to work with me? How much will you be engaging me? Will you be building bridges between me and my child? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how the whole Building Bridges book came to fruition, that we're always trying to build bridges with kids ourselves, but we're always trying to build bridges between kids and their parents. We're always trying to help them build bridges between them and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would tell a parent that you shouldn't take your child to see any counselor that isn't also willing to work with you to some degree. Now that mm. looks different in every family situation. Some teenagers do or don't need their parents involved as much because they're motivated, they're mature, they're, they're, embracing help. They're already communicating well with their parents. Some teenagers and kids struggle and they need their parents to be stepping in. Some, sometimes I have parents stay in the room during sessions the whole time because I want them to see what I'm doing with their child. I want them to observe it and I want them to, to continue it when they leave mm-hmm. the counseling office. So it could be a wide range of how that looks, how parents mm-hmm. are incorporated, but they certainly have to be part of it. And I would encourage any parent to interview a counselor, like always go to the first session with a counselor and make sure it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, that's CCF. And, and that's what I will often do. I'll say, before I meet with your child or teen, I want to meet with you because I want to yeah. make sure you know my philosophy of counseling yeah. and make sure you're on board with it. I want to make sure you ask me all the questions you want to ask and you don't think I'm some crazy person before I meet with your <laughs> child. So why wouldn't we do it that way? Why wouldn't yeah. that be beneficial? Yeah. I, I want to just lean in to one thing that I think you could really maybe help parents who are listening to this. Let's say the parent sees the need for counseling. The child does not want to go. Mm-hmm. Help help us put some words in parents' mouths for how they can encourage their children towards counseling. What are some things that they could say? And obviously, we can't, we can't make our kid get excited about it, but just this idea, like, how can we encourage our children in these ways if they're not interested or they don't think they need it? What are some things parents can say? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it depends on the child and the situation. So you take a child who's anxious and who doesn't want to have to talk to a stranger. And most kids, they want to go talk to some, a counselor already sounds like a dentist who's going to be. (laughs) So why, why would they want to go to a counselor? That's the imagery they have, which is why having a child-friendly office Mm -hmm. or a space that's comfortable, like there's so many ways you throw kids off of what their, their envision counseling to be by making them comfortable in the first session. And so when I meet with parents first, it's really helpful because that's the first question I'll ask. I'll say things like, um, does your child want counseling or don't they want counseling and why? And now let's brainstorm how you can present it to them in a helpful way. So every child's different. Sometimes they're just resistant. They, they're hardened. They're rebellious. They're oppositional. They don't want to change. Some kids are afraid and anxious and nervous, and they don't know what to expect. Well, how a parent talks to them is going to be different depending on what right. some of the scenarios on. And sometimes I say to parents, you know what, why don't I work with you for a couple sessions first and see if I can equip you to help them? Mm. Sometimes I say, well, your child will be resistant and they probably won't talk to me for the first two or three sessions. And we could be sitting here staring at each other. And are you okay with that? Because if so, then I'm willing to work hard at building bridges with them. I'm willing to work hard at winning them over to eventually opening up to me, but they need to know that you're not going to give up on counseling. Um, So it could be very different messages you're giving to the child based on what they're struggling with. Hmm. That is so good. And I know probably everybody listening who has children right now are like, I want Julie to be my kid's counselor. Uh, And unfortunately, (laughs) that probably won't be the reality, but she's giving you such good, helpful, tangible, you know, uh, advice and, and care to what it looks like for you to, to seek out that person. So that's super helpful. Well, thank you again, Julie. So many nuggets of wisdom and, um, man, I, I would definitely encourage all of our listeners, anything that Julie writes, uh, her speaking, things that are up on CCF's website from conferences she's done, uh, just a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. So Julie, again, thank you for being willing to share with us today and for being willing to just pour your life out in this ministry. It's so, so wonderful. Um, I would love for us to just finish out today, just any kind of a a story you want to share, anything. It can be related to what we've talked about or unrelated, just a story about your life or anything that, that you'd like to one more thing to share with our with our listeners today. Sure. They're, um, like we said, we've got a, a pretty full life. We've got kids a wide variety of ranges. We have four kids that are all a year apart, and they're in their mm-hmm. teen adult years now. Um, and it's really funny to just talk about discipling issues with them and their friends and how we do things very differently. And um, one of the things we do is, especially with our boys as they enter the teen years, is we've, we've, we've started instilling a, hey, you've got to give me a kiss before you walk out the door. Why? Because <laughs> you think it's not cool to show affection to your mom anymore. And so we're going to break this stereotype. So I would say, I don't care if you kiss me on the forehead, the cheek, whatever you want. Um, you must give me a kiss. And by the way, it's not always that fun for me, especially smelly teenage boys <laughs> don't brush their teeth. But my joke, my running joke with them has been, if you don't, uh, I am going to drive to school and call you down oh. to the office and Uh-oh. then have you do it. Um, or we've joked that I would show up in my pajamas at school and embarrass them in front of their friends and just all kinds of ways of normalizing hey, love looks a lot of different ways, be comfortable showing affection. And of course, they've put me to test two times so far. And one day, one of my sons was actually grumpy at me. I think I was correcting him about something in the morning. So he left the house and got on the bus without giving me a kiss on purpose. 
And so I sat there for a long time going, am I really going to drive over to school and do this? And will he be mad at me? And will he appreciate it? Will I regret it? And it was one of those parenting moments where, to be honest, I didn't want to get up and have to get dressed and drive all the way over to the school either. But I, I just shook my head. I'm like, if I'm going to say I'm going to do this, I got to do it. My goodness, you did so it. I did. I got you dressed. You did it. I was grumpy about it, getting dressed. So here I am, you know, just the grumpy parents saying, man, if I say I'm going to do something, I better show I'm going to do it. And if I don't, so I'm all grumpy about it, driving to school, thinking, <laughs> all right, now I've got to worry. Is he going to take this well? And um, got to school. And the, the long, the short story is the bell had just rung. All of his friends were coming out. He got called down to the office. He came around the corner and he saw me. And immediately <laughs> this smile went up his face and he just kind of went like, of course, of course you would show up. <laughs> oh, um, goodness. And one of his I, teachers was standing there, too, who I knew and just joked about taking a video of it and made him give me a kiss in, in the hallway. But it was a sweet moment. I drove home and I thought, you know, what? I'm so glad I was willing to go the extra mile and actually do this because mm. he left the house grumpy, mad at me. But it turned into a moment where he was happy to see me. Uh, it broke the ice. He was he was laughing and joking with teachers and friends <laughs> who saw me show up. And it was just a sweet moment of saying, I actually almost gave that moment up. I almost wow. thought, no, I don't feel like doing this either. And he was grumpy and now I'm grumpy and why am I going to do this? But, it, you know, God can use any of these moments that we tend to want to overlook or say, my teenagers brushed me off. My child doesn't want to talk yeah. to me. But if we press in and we genuinely have a heart that wants to love our kids well, God will use any of those moments. Mm, I love that so much. I think each <laughs> one of us could share share a moment like that where it, it we were hesitant and yet we moved into it. And like you said, the Lord just uses those moments. And I think that is a memory now. That is a yeah. memory, obviously. Did you get the video? Was the video actually captured? I don't think he actually did, but there were plenty of witnesses. And so it was, it was a nice joke for him the rest of the day. And he loved the attention he got actually. From That's school. awesome. Wow. And it's those, it's, yeah, little moments of building bridges. I mean, you're building bridges with your children. Every We are. And in all of these connecting kinds of moments um, that are beautiful. So thank you for that. I love that. And thank you so much again, Julie, for being with us today. We are so blessed by your ministry. And we hope listeners that you have been blessed by this podcast. We hope that you'll share it with others if it's been helpful for you and that you will listen to all of the episodes in this series on why various groups of people would benefit from counseling. And we are excited to have you join us again next week for another episode of Counsel for Life. Thanks for listening to Counsel for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, visit counselforlifepodcast.com.